Royal Kipper and Bourne. Show number 30, but more importantly, it's a show on Friday. Yay! We've Friday. made it to the end of the week. All right. Maybe we should rename it Free for All Friday. Got a, it, I got a friend that calls it Freedom Friday, and they, he drives home without his shirt on every Friday. Tarpless. No way. For real, for real. And he's a 40-year-old dad of two. He's a lovely guy. It, it's in the Al Iafredi kind of family because he would he'd be the last one to walk into our dress room in Washington. He'd have a long leather coat on and nothing underneath. <laughs> Come on. Nothing. And we're like, can we find him for not... <laughs> He's technically not wearing a suit, but it's a birthday suit. That is hilarious. Hold can, on. Can hold you find on, a guy on. for to, wearing a birthday suit? To games? To games. No way. On his Harley. <laughs> what Long are we even leather about? coat, <laughs> cowboy boots, and nothing else. Oh, the boys must have thought that was hilarious. That's, that's I'm like, pretty good. Big Al, what are you doing? I like the freedom. <laughs> it feels good. Man was prepared to play a, a hockey match. Oh, my God. I, I love to drive tarpless, too, but not, like, completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible story, Kevin. It's a good, he's got a few, that guy. I love him. He was a fun teammate. Loved the game and... Even to listen to him today talk about the game. We're going to get him on, okay? Great. Well, we Next are now, week. for sure. <laughs> we're going to get him on. And he can validate that story and and, and a few others. Maybe I'll, I'll share one more Ally Frady story for you by the end of the show. Love it. All right. It is Hall of Fame weekend. We've got some big names going in. Doug Wilson, Kevin Lowe. Jerome Aginla, Marion Hosa, Kim St. Pierre, and Kenny Holland. And this is one that's we've had to wait for a little while, right? Through COVID. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. And of course, that's followed uh, uh right with uh Calgary and the Leafs tonight, the Hall of Fame game. I think there's four on tap. This should be a game, JB, that as a Hall of Fame game, it should kind of stand alone on one night, don't you think? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm I'm excited for this class. I like it. You know why? Two guys, you know, they're my uh, era guys that I've, I grew up watching, obviously, Naginla and Hosa, but really cool careers. You know, Hosa, a guy that, like, during his career, you never really thought of him until as a Hall of Fame guy until the stats piled up, right? Like, the longevity is a very real thing. That he just played for so long. His numbers are insane. Guys, over 1,300 games, 1,134 points. Massive numbers, eh? They are. But it's going to get harder and harder because now we are in that era where guys have been, their their careers are through, I don't know, 21 teams, 24 teams, yeah. 31, and now 32 so that, that that whole standard's changed. It used to be almost an automatic 20 years ago that if you got to 1,000 games or 1,000 points, you were pretty much locked in. Yeah. And now that's not the case. And 
Maybe we'll talk a little bit uh, about that with uh, Steve Thomas, who's going to come up uh, with a in a few moments. And you you want to talk about that's a guy that's skated in a lot of games. How about Steve Thomas? Uh, tw- over twelve hundred games. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that, obviously, uh, and the Leafs moving forward. Pete Labardius as well, sportscaster for uh, the Flames. He'll join us and help us tee up uh, the Flames and and the Leafs. And then we're going to find Kevin Lowe, former teammate of mine, won a Stanley Cup together. Of course, he's one of the big names, marquee names this weekend. We'll track Kevin Lowe down and and get his thoughts. Uh, Overall, your feeling about the Leafs going against what was a pretty hot team in Calgary. Mm -hmm. That's all of a sudden found themselves on the losing side last night in Montreal. Good time for the Leafs to be playing Calgary. Couldn't ask for a better one. They get them on a tail end of a back-to-back off a loss. They're not going to see Jacob Markstrom. Um, Sounds like tonight it'll be uh, Dan Vladar. Vladar? Vladar? Let's do Vladar. Um, So that's that's a perk if you're you're the Leafs, because I'll tell you one thing. uh, You'd like a few pucks to go in the net, because this Flames team does not give up much. Just looking at the, uh, the fancy stats there. They, they give up the fewest goals against by expected goals in the league. They're second in actual goals against all that stuff. They they don't give up chances, high-quality chance. They defend like hell, like a Daryl Sutter team you would expect. And that's really led by Chris Tanev when yes. it's all said and done because that's what you paid for. That's what you stole him from Vancouver for, uh, to be that shutdown guy and block shots and mm-hmm. get that puck out of his zone as, as crisply and as fast as you can. He has no regard for himself, just throws himself in front of pucks. He's He has done for Oliver Shillington what Muzzin did for Justin Hall, a guy that you're like, is he an NHLer? And all of a sudden the guy is a definitive top four guy. Shillington's been amazing for them. Also on the program today, we've got a new tech guy, Josh <laughs> Santos. What up, Josh? Josh, what did you do with Derek? He was at a concert last night, Derek. <laughs> oh, so, was he? Yeah, he was. He is was this the, a, a missed show for a hangover? He was at, I know he he booked it. Oh, so okay. He's at, he was at the Horseshoe Tavern last night, so I'm sure he's just in tip-top shape today, he's Derek. He's, he's not you <laughs> yeah. right now in the bathtub. Yeah, he's. No, he might actually be having a soak. He might need to wash away his sins of last evening. Who knows? All right. Forgive him for that. But we got you, Semi. Yes, sir. And you got the Leafs power play. With what, six straight goals? Yes, uh, six straight games of the goal, dating back to the game against Chicago that turned the whole season around. Um, they didn't score a power play goal in that game, but ever since then they've scored a goal in every game on the power play. So things are looking good. Yeah, anything look different to you, Kipper, at the power play? Anything that... Uh, yes. What do you like? They ditched the bumper. Yeah. You know, they still have a guy that floats around there, but they didn't just park Mitch well, that, like they that, did at that, the start. That's fine, yeah. but you don't have Mitch Marner standing there looking like the Statue of Liberty. So true. And I've, that, in a nutshell, has enabled them to kind of move it around, get Mitch off the out of the out of the slot and below the goal line, and couple of precision passes. Uh, Tavares uh, the other night before Philly. And now it's got a different feel. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's listen to the clip from Sheldon Keefe on what he thinks about it. He sees the ice really well from, from that space. It makes the penalty killers have to turn and uh, face their net and not have a great deal of a uh, sense of what's happening behind them. So there's, you know, whether it's 
whether it's Mitch or, or, or Will as the righties down there or John as a lefty, I think it presents some, some good opportunities. We think that's an area of the ice that you know, we, we prioritize a lot of higher ice early in the season, but we've known that we've, we need to develop that, that, those lower options to really kind of complete it, and we've sort of taken it a, a step at a time. But I think that's been a big piece of how things have come together here. But that's the that's you know the being in sync. That's a big part of it because you have to release at the appropriate times and in the right spots, and then the timing of the passes have to be right. So there's a lot of things that go into that. But uh, the guys are feeling it right now, and and they're picking their spots well. We know last season for sure when it came to Austin Matthews, the biggest five on five threat in the world, mm-hmm. but. If the Leafs don't scare the crap out of teams with their power play, then they lose a majority, I think, of of their presence. Yeah, You have to make teams feel like we cannot take penalties against this team. That's the theory, right? That's your tough guy. Your tough guy, your enforcer is don't touch us or we will put more pucks in your net. It hasn't been that for them, but now they're up to seventh in the league. Pretty impressive. I should have... Uh, specified going into that clip that he's really talking about below the the goal line, below the dots, and how good they have been at moving guys around. Mitch Marner, you know, they they tie it up against Tampa six on five with a Marner pass from a below the goal line to Tavares against ba- the Kings. There was the Marner pass from below the goal line up to Tavares. Like they're finding other looks and not just being locked into those places like you talked about. No Statue of Liberty. Everyone's getting a little movement out there. It's made them way more effective. I'd still like to see more movement too out of out of Morgan Riley mm-hmm. and if you go back uh, a couple of years with Boston and in particular to, uh Krug Toby uh Tory Krug yeah there were often times that guy would do a complete 360 right along the walls yeah and I'm not suggesting that you know that that becomes Morgan but I think Morgan still has to turn himself into a more of a presence instead of that guy that it just comes back and most often than not you're looking for a flank or or the quick shot into the goaltender for most often than not a whistle. See, the thing is I, I just want Morgan to give it to someone else. Not because I don't think Morgan's any good, but I just want him to yeah. give it to the forwards. Give it to those elite, talented guys. Yeah, but the problem is, though, your opposition also knows that. Right. <laughs> making it four on four if he's not going to do something and, and cheating the the hell out of it yeah that's the issue jb is that if you feel it watching it then the the opposition the pk is going to feel it too and that's i think what happened and let's not forget how dry that power play got at the end of last season and how it cost them any chance to advance it it was gone, yeah. and it was gone because it became predictable. And Morgan has to find a way to turn himself into a, a threat. I think he does it with his strength, which is m- mobility. It's mm-hmm. not a big shot. We know that, although I would still love him to be pounding 100 pucks a day from there. And I... Yeah. I, I I just think that he has to find a way to be a bigger threat. Sammy? Uh, what yeah. do you think? Can, I, can you turn Morgan Riley? I think the thing that Morgan Riley does really well in the power play, and I don't know if there's a way to quantify this, 
But his work at the line in terms of keeping pucks in and making good mm-hmm. reads at the line really seems to be his strength there because we all know that, like, Sandine is definitely better at being the quote-unquote power play sort of guy that, you know, can walk the line and fire that across the body wrister. But I like having Morgan there because he just seems to make the smarter sort of defensive play at the line to keep it in and kind of get it down to the forwards. It's just a different thing than what Sandine would bring. But, like, I really think that he's kind of establishing himself on that top unit and that he's fine there, and I have no issues with it. In years past, I have. I just want him to move it quicker. Like, sometimes he gets a hit. You're right. He keeps a puck in, and he looks at Matthews for three seconds before giving it to him. Or, or he looks at Marner, he hangs on to it. Like, anytime uh, Riley's hanging on to the puck at the top, I'm like, okay, not good. Like, you need some movement, whether the puck's moving or people are moving. The, it just stagnates. The Krug comparison, Kipper, is an interesting one for me. Did, did he have a bomb, though? Krug? Yeah, yeah, he, he, he could shoot the it, puck. Yeah. yeah, he could shoot the puck, but uh, he wasn't scared to take a puck into a rotation down to the half wall. Actually switch with the flankers. A hundred percent. And there were often times that Krug would end up behind that goal line. Yeah. And, I don't know if I want Morgan there, up. but... <laughs> but Morgan could... Do he it. skates well enough to, to uh, get down there and get back. Great edges, great yeah. mobility. Just find yourself into a rotation. Switch up. You know, the Edmonton Oilers are a good example of a team that uses different spots. Like, you don't see Matthews on the wall, or sorry, McDavid on the wall and just stay in there. Like, they they swirl around the zone. You know, the Edmonton Oilers but, but, power but Morgan, plays at 44% but, right now. It's off the charts. 44%. But Morgan will lock into that one spot. He will. He's like, okay, I'm the, I'm the QB. I'm going to stand up here at the blue line. Okay, he's very uh, dili- uh, well, meticulous. No, what am I looking for? He's slow. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Methodical. Methodical. That's I thought you were going to say deliberate. Yeah, and actually okay. that's some, yeah. So Tory Tory Krug's St. Louis Blues are second in the league in power play, so maybe there's a bit of a correlation there. But now I think it's interesting when we're talking about the special teams here. The Leafs have top 10 pe- penalty kill and, special, and power play now. So... They're seventh in both. They're seventh in penalty kill now, and they're seventh in power play now, which has happened quickly with the power play, but that's what it will happen when you score in six straight games on it. I don't think it's any coincidence that when your power play and your penalty kill, your special teams are going well, you start winning games. That's kind of the key to the game, and, and it's really starting to turn around here in the last five or six games for them. You've, I'm sure you've seen when like teams combine the power play and yeah. penalty kill percentage, and it's like if you're above 100, you're good. If you're below, you're not. The Leafs are at like 110 right now for their uh, p- their special teams combined. Last year they were at like I don't know 97.5 according to my quick math. So they've gotten way better at special teams so far this year. And that may make up for the fact that uh, you're not sure what you're going to get. And uh, I don't want to beat this up again, but. If, in fact, it's going to be a tough year for putting the puck in the net outside your your top four, maybe that's just enough. Yeah. Right? The the Your, your, your $40 million forwards and having Spezza and company occasionally chip in, and that's, that's your game. The yeah. specialty teams, your horses, and a few guys chipping in, and, of course, Jack Campbell. Yeah. You know, they're, they're 26th right now in goals for as a team. So they, they got better there. They, they certainly create a lot more opportunities than that. So we've got a couple of fun things to dig through today. Uh, we got Steve Thomas coming up in just a second. But one of the things I'm going to give a, a quiz on the guy to the guys here is uh, turnovers. Who do you think turns the puck over the most? I'm looking forward to getting to that. Who do you think turns the... Oh, is that Sammy? 
Okay, we got to, we got Stumpy. You want to lead him in? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll pick that up a little later. Right. We'll pick that up a little later. Uh, Stumpy, how are you, pal? I'm great, Kipper. How are you, pal? I'm good. Steve Thomas joining us. Uh, where do you want to start off first? Uh, Hall of Fame. We we opened up the show talking about uh, some of the big names uh, uh, going in. Uh, you know, Stumpy, when I first found out I didn't get drafted, I'd go down the list and uh, I go, "Damn, I'm better than that guy." I can't believe he got <laughs> drafted more. You know, I don't care if it was the ninth round; I'm better than him. But I did the- that in junior and in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a guy that, uh, in all honesty, I could look at your numbers and go, "Yeah, Stumpy, Hall of Fame, maybe you know, twelve hundred plus games, almost a thousand points. I mean, have you done that a little bit, gone down the list quietly to yourself and said, I'm better than that guy. He's in the hall of fame. Uh, you know what? Like, uh, I, I always thought that criteria was winning a cup, having a thousand games or as a, as a forward, um, you know, scoring 500 goals, a uh, thousand points is kind of the criteria. And, uh, and I fall short of that. But, um, and I think the biggest factor is, is, is really never winning a cup, which is a huge void in my career. But uh, uh, we can talk about that another time. But, <laughs> um, no, I, I just, uh, that's where I think the parameters are. I think it's like, I think it's 1,000 a, a, a points, 500 goals, um, and a Stanley Cup is, is criteria for, for, for entering the Hall of Fame. And I know a number of guys that have had those, uh, um, those uh, you know, those stats and, and aren't in. Yes. One guy that comes, for, comes to mind is a guy like Pat Verbeek. Yes. Won a cup. He's got, he's got over 1,000 points, 500 goals. And there's a, there's a guy right there that, in my opinion, meets all criteria for Hall of Fame consideration. And, and he's not in it yet. So, and it's just know. getting harder and harder. To yeah, get in. Exactly. Exactly. So in in my case, it would be the 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 most massive honor ever, but I'm not sure whether I've really um um uh I've really met the qualifications for, for that high standard. So uh having said that, love to be in it, but uh I'm not sure whether I'm uh I'm right there yet. You're in my Hall yeah. of Fame, pal. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be an owner or, or a GM. <laughs> like, and I don't see that coming anytime soon. We're going to start the real Kipper and Bourne Hall of Fame. You can be our first inductee. You, you did compete a couple <laughs> of guys. I know that, uh, you know, th- this era with Doug Wilson, Kevin Lowe. I mean, those, those are names that you, you went shoulder to shoulder with uh, throughout your career. Yeah, yeah, you know, and... And, you know, the success that Kevin had with the Oilers there as being a huge part of that organization, um, he had a, an unreal career. Uh, it's nice having the support uh, on one team that he had. Uh, and, you know, what? It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, I played for 20 years. Uh, I went to the Stanley Cup Finals once. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You see some guys that just break in the league. They have their first year and they're winning Stanley Cups, like Tyler Toffoli, for instance. Uh, you know, guys like that are just like, I, I honestly think it's like right place at the right time, um, um, being put in a situation where, where it's, you know, a, a conducive situation to win. And uh, you just got to be lucky sometimes. Yeah, there's no doubt that that is a very real factor with uh, NHL careers. 
Um, looking at this, uh, this Toronto Maple Leafs team here, you know, we were lucky enough to have you on, uh, in our first week of doing the show together. Things are running a little smoother now than they were then. Uh, wanted right, to get <laughs> maiden voyage. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we wanted to get your take on how the Leafs have fared so far versus what your expectations were, uh, the, the last time we talked to you ahead of the season. Well, you know, like uh, losing a guy like, um, like, um, like Zach Hyman, for instance, uh, I mean, that was a big blow for, for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a player that, that brought a lot to the table. Uh, you know, when you think about it, made made uh, Marner and uh, Matthews a better player just for, you know, him being out there and doing what he does. I mean, that was a huge loss for the organization. Um, you, you can't fault what Freddie Anderson did in the net throughout the course of the uh, regular season. Granted, postseason probably didn't uh, uh, didn't meet the standards that uh, he probably wanted to, or the organization wanted to. But those are two big pieces of uh, of the puzzle, and that's not taking anything away from what Jack Campbell's doing right now. But we got to let this thing ride out. I don't think, I'm not sure, but I, I hesitate to to uh, to um, to make the assumption that they're a better team than they were last year. I'm not sure about that. We got to let that play out. But um, I think they've got they've got the the quality up front with three guys that uh, can really make a difference in in whatever game they play in, um, whoever they play. And um, uh, I, I'm just you know I think about the back end. Uh, is the back end good enough? Uh, do we need to maybe make a few tweaks uh, to make the the hockey team a little bit better? But you know for the most part, I think they're a pretty darn good team and they're a contending team. I'm not quite sure whether they're there yet, though. But I, we really, like, I really think we have to let this play out before we can really find out Steve, where we are three quarters into the season. We we had a con- conversation about uh, the rest of the league. Am I echoing? Is it some serious lag going on here? Oh, is it really? <laughs> okay, I'm scared to talk. I'm, so am I. <laughs> are you getting a delay too? Yeah. I'm not at all. I'm not. Okay, no, I'm taking my earphones off. I'm going to just keep talking and not listen to a call return on me uh, on my my earphones. But we were talking uh, last week, Stumpy, about the, the Leafs and how it's kind of shaped up. And the emphasis, of course, under the microscope is they got four guys and they got to rely on four guys. But I'm watching Boston do the same thing with their number one line. Uh, Marchand, Pasternak, Bergeron, and they are one of maybe 15 teams that are kind of built the same way where they're going to rely on four forwards and then hope that and pray that everybody else comes through for them. Uh, I heard a a stat about uh, the Bruins, and I watched them play the other night, and I thought I heard that um, on their top three lines, each player on their on on the top three lines have scored at least twenty goals at one point in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some serious depth. I mean, this is a team that um, that uh, is a contending team every year out of the East. Um, they've they've got that ability to. Um, the depth is there. I mean, the scoring depth is there. They've got some really good young young defensemen on in that lineup, and and you know if if. You know, and you've got Bergeron, you've got uh, 
you've got Marshawn, the guys that have won cups before that, 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 that have the leadership. Uh, and, and, and these younger players can really look and, and draw upon that, that sort of thing. We don't have that on Toronto. We don't have success yet. So I think success is, is you know, you get success from, from drawing on successive, or, uh, successful people. And, and we don't really have that uh, with the Leafs right now. And I, I don't want to diss the Leafs because I'm, my, the, blood, the blue blood is just running through my veins. And it has been for, since I was like seven years old, six years old since I started playing. But like, you have to have some success to, to really have success afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you, you need that leadership that has had a little bit of, of, um, of winning so that the younger guys can really draw upon that. And I think that's one thing that maybe we're missing a little bit. Yeah, it's a, a lot of guys who, well, the core in particular, who've run up against a wall and been turned away. And, you know, everyone's kind of waiting to see if they're able to break through. So they added some pieces around them this year, thinking, you know, maybe a guy like Nick Ritchie could be a, a depth guy. And he's been someone that we've talked about a, a lot on this show because initially expectations were probably unfairly high. Now they're maybe unfairly low. We had a good game last game. What are your thoughts on watching a big guy like him who has good hands yet still manages to kind of frustrate a lot of the people who want more from him? Well, I know, I know what you're saying. I think, you know, in the preseason, he was really good. He, was, he scored quite a bit in the preseason. Um, that the expectation levels for him would have been um, maybe a little bit excessive. But, um, you know, he is what he is. He's a big, big strong winger that... Um, um, if he uses his abilities the right way, can be a really effective player. Um, you know, on a four check, uh, taking the body, um, you know, that sort of thing, getting to the net, being a big body in front of the net. That's where he really has to shine. That's, that's the type of player he is. Um, I think maybe the preseason was a little bit of a, a skewed situation because, uh, you know, he was that successful in the preseason, but you, uh, I mean, you have to look back at his career and see what he brings to the table, and I think that's that's it. Just you know, that big body, a guy that can, uh, you know, that can play physical and, and be a great net front guy. So I think that's where the Toronto Maple Leafs can really utilize a guy like him. Stumpy, uh, at the beginning of the show, we touched on the uh, Toronto Maple Leaf power play, which has looked better. Uh, you in your career, probably twenty twenty five percent of your goals came on the power play. You've been a part of some good ones in your career. We watch the Leafs uh, try to really focus on this bumper position, which for all intent and purposes has been bailed on. Um, but overall, what, what, do you, what do you see to in your vision of a perfect power play here? And even Morgan Riley, not the traditional get it back to him and pound the puck kind of defense. Um, but what, what in your eyes is makes a most successful power play? Well, I always look at the, uh, the old, um, not that old, but um, Washington Capitals power play where you had Backstrom um, playing on the, uh, you know, on, on, on one side. You had Ovechkin on the other side. Um, I can't even remember who, who played Mike low. Green. In that situ- Mike Green was there early. He was up top. You got Carlson, Carlson up top. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got, um, uh, was it ba- not Backstrom? Uh, can't remember. He's been played, played in front for a while there. Anyway, there was there was somebody who played low down by the net, net front, and then at the side of the net. And a lot of their offense came from from Backstrom's side. 
And if that didn't work, then all you had to do is just get it to the top and over to Ovi, and, and you know, 50% of the time that puck's going in. So I'm really, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if one, you have to have a kind of a two-pronged or a three-pronged uh, um, a, a approach to your power play. If one side doesn't work, try the other side. If the other side doesn't work, let's just bomb pups, pucks from the top with net front, um, you know, screens and, and net front traffic. And I, I just think, you know, when things don't, don't work down low or on one side or the other side, I think you just got to get back to the basics and just, just bomb pucks from the from the top with, with people willing to beat it in front of the net of screens and, and tips and that sort of thing and loose pucks, loose change, we used to call it. Um, I, I just think you need to have that like two, three-prong kind of attack on a power play that makes you – you have to adjust throughout the course of a game. Things aren't working from one side, you have to adjust to the other side. You know, the bumper position was something that we really never used, did we, Kipper, back in the day – I would never remember a guy bumping it to me, me bumping it back. And then, you know, it's it, it just the puck movement. I think quick puck movement is something that, you know, is hard to defend. But well, I think that three-pronged attack is something that uh, is really important for yeah, a good power play. I don't think we've ever seen anyone uh, utilize that space like we've seen uh, Braden Point. Um, and he was the one that I think inspired and like everybody says, it's a copycat league and that's all the Toronto Maple Leafs try to do is turn Mitch Marner into point in that position. But we said it right. But but you also need Kucherov and you need Hedman and you need others to play a, a perfect type of role. And well, that's, yeah, that's why I brought up that Washington power play because Two a year, two years ago, or three years ago, they were phenomenal, and they were they were really hard to stop. I mean, it doesn't matter who was killing the penalty, uh, or who was killing those penalties. What units you had out there, you had a difficult time with it. Um, and and it's it's just I don't know what it is. It's you know teams other. It, it depends. What it also depends as well is whether. And I had a really hard time sometimes when it wasn't just a box, like a, a passive box. Um, if it was a, a, an organization or a team that, that really pressured us and we had to move the puck quicker and, and passes had to be perfect and, and you couldn't bobble a puck because they were on you right away, that's another factor. Um, uh, you know, like some teams are different in their kill approach. Uh, some are more aggressive than others. So that's another thing that really kind of uh, is a factor in this whole thing. Now, you had, you had Hedman for all those years you were uh, behind the bench in Tampa Bay, correct? Yeah. And did watching him evolve into the player that he is today, um, would he would you look at Hedman and say he is your perfect power play quarterback type? Yeah, you know what? He's really gotten a lot better over you know, when I was there, um my first year was like uh um, God, it was a while back. But I, I was with the organization for five years. I watched him evolve into the player he is today, but he struggled a little bit. Like he's not the most um, talented with the puck, um, but he sees the ice pretty well. He makes good plays and he's got a bomb from the point. Um, uh, he's just gotten better and better over the last, since I was there. But um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that he is a, uh, uh, a super skilled guy with the puck. He just makes passes at the right time and he doesn't get himself too. Uh, under too much pressure. 
and he's got some guys out there like Kucherov and Point um, and Yanni Gord at the time, uh, um, you know, Alex Kalorn, uh, Andre Pilat. There, there's a lot of talent out there. So if, if Victor was able to get the puck to, into those, those guys' hands and then get himself available for a shot from the point or, you know, something like that, then that was, that was what made him great on the power play. But if he started to be a little bit more creative and start to handle a puck a little bit too much, then he got himself in, into some troubles. I'm just wondering, uh, as someone that's been behind the bench coaching these guys, uh, it, could, could you could you take Morgan Riley? And, yeah, we look at Morgan Riley, and he's not your, your perfect five-tool defenseman, including uh, a perfect uh, power play kind of quarterback. But is there room to, to, to maneuver – Morgan Riley and get a lot more out of him on a power play, including can he develop a better shot than he already has? Is that possible or is Morgan at the stage where he is what he is? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, we all stayed after practice and we worked on our shot and, but it, 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 it invariably didn't really improve that much more. You know what I mean? I think, what what improved players' shots were like the the you know the innovation of new sticks, new equipment, that sort of thing. But you know, I, I I'm not sure. I, I think there's there's I, I think I think you know the Toronto Maple Leafs power play is in the hands of other people rather than Morgan. Um, you know, even on breakouts, I mean that puck's getting dropped back to a Marner or or Tavares. Uh, or, or Matthews, and they're bringing their game in the line, and, and they're making the play at the line, and that's how they develop um, possession in the offensive zone. Um, you know, I, I think that um, I think that Morgan Riley could be a Victor Hedman at the top. I, I, you know, he probably doesn't have the the shot that that um, that uh, Hedy has, but but you know, you, you've got to let the the other players that are on the power play at the time. Like the the uh, the Matthews, like the Marners, like the um, uh, Tavares, let them dictate what happens on the power play and just get available for whatever it is—a shot or whether it's um, moving it from one side of the ice to the other through seams, that sort of thing. And that's where I think he can be effective. Steve, heading into Hall of Fame time here and looking at some of these careers that had, you know, a bajillion games in them, looking at your own career, I mean, from 1984 to 2004, you were playing in the NHL. Maybe you could give us some insight into how a player's mindset changes from when you come into the league as a rookie uh, to, to when you leave it, you know, how you look at the game generally. Oh man, you just, I think you get a lot of cues off players that you've played with along the way. I mean, uh, when I was in, in Toronto, I used to, uh, you know, I marvel how, you know, a guy like Rick Vibe would score three 50 goal years. Um, and, and it was different game back there. He scored a lot of goals, just skating down the wing and blasting it. I mean, you, you can't beat goalies these days like that. Um, you know, I got to Chicago and I got the chance to see like one of the most creative guys ever. And that was, uh, Denny Savard, um, you know, and, and then, and then playing against Gretzky and Kiprios and guys like that. That's how I learned. <laughs> Same breath. <laughs> you didn't even flinch when he said that, eh? I flinched. I mean, that's how I think I developed more as a player was by watching other players play. And, um, and I'm really thankful for it. Um, you know, uh, but my game was such that, like, 
I couldn't change the way I'd always played and whatever got me successful, made me successful and got me in the NHL. And that was to play, you know, a good forechecking game, um, you know, uh, taking the body. Uh, and for a smaller guy, it was kind of tough. It was tough on my body. And, and, uh, and, and in turn, finished up missing, like I missed 400 games in my career and uh, because of injuries. So, I mean, when I look back at, at that, do I take better care of my body? Do I do I not play the same way? Uh, but if I didn't play the same way, would I be as effective? And I don't think so. So, I mean, the numbers are what they are. I miss a lot of games because of injuries, but I had to play like that or else I probably wouldn't play. You know, the turning point in your career was when you kicked the out of me at Chesswood Arena. <laughs> I know you've said you've talked about that before. I mean, every time I look at your nose, I say I did that. <laughs> that is one hundred percent true. Stumpy, thanks for doing this, man. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot. Former National Hockey Leaguer, twelve hundred and thirty five games, nine hundred and thirty three points. And he that knows he is... missed four hundred games. He I mean You know, he came close to a Stanley Cup. Uh, in Anaheim, uh, but Hall of Famer in my eyes, that's for sure. Yeah, and he did beat the crap out of me. Um, well, now 17. he's definitely a Hall of Famer in my he's eyes. He's twenty. It's a exhibition game: Kitchener Rangers versus the Marlies. I already got the beat, uh, the stuffing knocked out of me by another guy named David Bruce in an inner squad game at the Kitchener Rangers. I'm like, I'm gonna try this fighting thing one more time. <laughs> Two punches versus Stumpy. One him hitting me, the other one me hitting the ice. Not fun. Not so fun. It's a, there's a learning curve, and unfortunately the learning process is not much fun. I never put in enough uh, reps at it to get good.